1: Hello and welcome to the Cheeseman Podcast. This is Brendan, your host for the show. Uh, joining me to go over the international break and talk all things Spurs whilst we're being cruelly deprived of Ange ball. Uh First up is Gibbo. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not been on for a while, mate.
2: So nice to be here. But yeah, desperately looking forward to the weekend when we can have Spurs back, mate. But uh, yeah, get involved with in some Spurs chat about the players who have been out on international duty
1: and uh, looking forward to getting into it, mate. See, what I want to know more about is this Cider Festival that you went to, which, <laughs> like, that, that yeah. does sound the most West Country thing in the world.
2: Yeah, well, it was just, literally, it was um, tribute bands. So we had the Stereotonics. Nice. Um, yeah, but they were good, mate. I doubt any of them watch this, but they were wicked. Like, the lead singer was amazing. <laughs> and um, on the Friday night, we had an Oasis tribute. We were fantastic as well. But, yeah, it was good, uh, mate. She 20 the- minutes away. Brilliant. Still
1: no Oasis have been around like since Oasis, so that, that's quality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also joining is James. How are you doing, mate? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to the international break being over. It's
3: gotten so bad, I've started watching rugby. That's how deprived of ball I am. It's been horrific, but <laughs> lovely to be honest ever. Must nice be here. <laughs> And also
4: joining is Seb Short. How are you doing, Seb? i'm good yeah um hoping that we don't have a repeat of last week where i was uh moving room to room trying to trying to find a a milli whatever it is of internet to try and stay online but um hopefully uh hopefully we'll we'll be all right tonight i've kind of i've moved to the bedroom and uh seem to be able to pick up some kind of signal there. So all good. Top side.
1: See, normally like, it's, it's the ex-players like Mickey Hazard or Sandro that has dodgy internet. So we're used to it, mate. So you're you're in uh, very good company there in terms <laughs> of uh, your dodgy internet. But guys, yeah, so there have been plenty of international games happening. So just to go through what we'll talk about today, obviously we'll sit, talk about Spurs uh, players in their international duties. Uh, the interesting points, Romero's worrying injury, a new signing. Um, so plenty to get through. Uh, first of all, I guess we should really start with England. Um, only one Tottenham player involved in James Madison out of position, um, which uh, wasn't great. I don't know, Gibbo. Did you did you get the game? Did you get the highlights? What did you get? Anything from the? the they England? had
2: they, they had it on in a in a tent. So I watched a bit of it. Watched some highlights, but uh, the whole Madison thing. I just don't I don't get why you'd play someone who's playing in a midfield 3 really well for his club and then play someone who's playing in like Saudi Arabia and then instead of him stick the player who's doing really well in a midfield 3 out on the left. I just don't understand it. I don't expect I don't know how you expect to get the best out of that player out of position. It's a bit of a square peg in a round hole. So um he didn't make the he didn't see the match out did he? I don't know how much he contributed, but it's just a little bizarre to me and uh, not getting the best out of him, really.
1: Mm. James, it, it was an odd one. I mean, Southgate's always been that sort of cautious manager safety first, so that's why he's stuck Henderson. But did we really need to do that against... i got all respect to Ukraine, and they did start really well. But did we really need to be that? Did, did we need to have the sort of three sitting back and, and push Madison into a position that, that's that's not what he Surely, we, like modern football these days the the sort of sixes and the eights they are a bit more forward thinking you don't need a sideways passer like henderson in there it was just it was quite frustrating and do you think that the question mark should be made about about southgate are you southgate in or out at the moment james
3: well you know england aren't my primary international team but oh that's I, true know, that's I, true yeah
1: well I, I did actually watch some of
3: the match because i went to the pub to watch the um england rugby game with my mate um so i caught the like the tail end of it and that's the second half um baffling decisions harry has played like what 20 minutes of football this season but he gets a start seems mm. I, I don't know what he offers jordan henderson he's gone out to basically get a cash grab instead of playing you know foden you could even play foden or play madison in his proper position i think you get more out of a guy like Grealish or foden playing them out wide madison is much better centrally it, it's just bizarre decisions i mean it's hard to say southgate out when you look at the basic you know the results right He's done very, very well for England, better than any England manager for decades, right? You know, finals, semifinals, good performances. But when you look at the quality in that team and what a better manager could get, you do have to ask questions. So I suppose the the bigger issue is, who is that better manager? Because you, the best managers in the world don't want to go into international management. Very few do. I think the best was like, what, um, Pellegrini, uh, um, Italy. Like, you don't get me or Bielsa, maybe, Uruguay. That's like the top, uh, you know what I mean? So where do England go if Southgate goes? But yeah, like, I don't
1: think he's a very good manager. Hmm. Well, Seth, just brought up an interesting point about Maguire. Like, it's just bizarre. Like, obviously, managers do have their favourites, but he's not played. 20, 20 minutes all season. It just seems, I guess, the, with Stones being injured, it did limit his options. But there's Tamori that could have played there. And I guess Southgate sort of may love his sort of big lump at the back that can head it out. But it just... It just seems a bit archaic, a bit a bit historic, doesn't it?
4: One thing that always sticks with me is that back when he took the job in 2016, he made a huge thing Southgate of making making it clear that players would only play if they were regulars for their clubs. It was a huge thing. He said you have to be in form, and club form would take on the uh, you know the, the his main was one of his main points for picking that team. Well, as James said, McGuire has played. 20 minutes. I didn't even know he'd played that, to be honest. Um, And Henderson um, has gone to, uh, I mean, who knows what that league is? I I can't say I've seen any of it, so I can't really comment, but it doesn't make make any sense to me. And then playing players out of position um, and as much as it was Ukraine, it is only Ukraine. And it seemed to me uh, with the qualifying position that England are in, a really good position, Give those some of those youngsters a chance.
1: Mm. Well, that's just it because he he said in the past Southgate that he wouldn't play players from the Championship, but he's playing someone from the Saudi League, which is levels below the Championship. It just anyway, it it, it didn't make sense. One, anyway, we we got the draw a draw away. Uh, we're still top of the group. We're still going to qualify. So, but like you said, it was a chance to 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 get those minutes uh, into to younger, untested players at that level. So,
2: all I was going to say, I think. Like us for now have had the joys of watching a manager come in and be brave with his tactics and try and win games. Unfortunately, that's what Southgate doesn't do. He's not brave. Like, um, you know, we won nil up against Italy. I know it was in the Euros in the final. I think the problem with him, him is you can't knock his record, but he just needs to be braver, doesn't he? And we and like, as Spurs fans now, we can see the fruits of making brave decisions, of being brave on the football pitch and going for the win, rather than just
4: trying not to lose. I will caveat that with something, and I know John Stones is a good player, and I'm not here to knock Maguire, but I've always felt that there is a soft underbelly to England, even with the fantastic players that we have. And I would like uh, that comment there that says uh, Rice, Bellingham and Madison. That is definitely the midfield that I would like to see but I do feel like behind them, there's an issue. And we've gone from playing five to a four and you have to, at uh, the back, and you have to be able to kind of support that even when, you, when you're going forward. Um, that's why I think he's a little bit more cagey. I still don't think we've ever, from 2016 to now, had a centre-back partnership that we can 100% trust. And even if you include Pickford in that, who actually has done quite well for England, but has got kind of a ricket in him, every so often, that that centre area, a centre-back area, is a problem. Uh, and I think mm. good team, good teams will expose that if you go hell for leather.
1: And we've I mean, seen that, that, like you said, with, with Rice and Bellingham, they are two world-class class players, struggle to say it for, for Rice, but they've played in high-pressure situations. Bellingham, Spain, Germany, is now Real Madrid, Rice has just won a European trophy, he's now playing for the Goons. Like, you could see them almost, I, I think there was a period where Bellingham was, was yelling at the, the defence to push up. And Rice was saying to Henderson, like, I mean, go got him because his passing was off. So we got really world-class players there that are being underutilised. So and we'll, I didn't want to dwell too much on how he came, but he has said a lot of shit in the press. In terms of the reasons for leaving Spurs, I'll quickly go through what he said now. Uh, so that was pretty much the reason for leaving Spurs. There's a lot of talk about trophies. Of course, he wants to win them. That wasn't the only reason he went. He felt he needed to be playing at the highest level, if he ultimately wanted to improve. Being about around the best strikers, the best players in the world. But again, not knocking the Bundesliga, but the Premier League is where it's at. Surely that it just doesn't make sense. Those comments, and they are sly digs, and maybe there's there's reasons for that. We can sort of talk about the club and how the club treated him in in his departure. But it's just unnecessary, isn't it, Gabo?
2: Mate, I I think he's got a bit of beef. With the top brass at the club, um, I think that's who the digs at. But he knows that they don't care. They don't care what he says. They don't care what he says in the in the press. He he knows that it will be the fans that that those comments hurt. It won't. It won't be the, I mean, I personally, I don't care what he says anymore. I'm not not interested. You know, he's moved on. Great player for Spurs, but he's you know he's moved on for me. But yeah, it, it's. Those digs hurt the fans, not the people who I think he's aiming them at. And I mean, let's be honest. You know, he said about did he did he also say sort of like oh if you don't win two games at Spurs it, it doesn't really matter. Well, he was part of that culture. He was meant to be one of the leadership group in that culture. So he's setting that. So he was. He's one of the people who's actually accepting that. So it's just mate. It's for me. It's just that he hasn't. He, he never mentioned Spurs. When he's asked about what's, you know, his favourite games and stuff like that. And I think that's all stemmed from probably back to Man City. And I think for a while it's Spurs, mate. he was just doing his job. And pe- a lot of people believed it. it was more than that. But I genuinely do believe that. And I loved him as a player. He's fantastic. But... He's moved on. He's just another ex great Spurs player now. So I'm not really bothered what he says.
1: Yeah, like James, it was he was saying also that he wants to win the Champions. Bayern aren't gonna win the Champions League. They're not, they're not they simply don't have the players. They tried to get in Palinha and failed there and shows under pressure. It just a lot of it was just it just didn't make sense. Of course, we're not in a European competition, so it gave him that excuse as well. But again, I don't want to dwell too much on it. But do you think he's tarnishing his legacy a bit?
3: maybe i think it's maybe reactionary to say like, because you know he
1: he says some stupid
3: things to the media that doesn't make him not our all-time greatest top goal scorer i mean i will say that he he can't he has the ability to read the room of a two-year-old you know like i wouldn't give these comments but you know i look at other you know great spurs player, my favorite ever player of all time you know, gareth bale i don't recall him saying these things you know like there's a bit of but at the same time, to be fair to Kane, he's answering the questions he's getting asked. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't think it's a dig at fans, but also he's not exactly, you know, sending us a, a nice letter telling us how, how much he appreciated his time with us. So I, I don't know. My biggest criticism of Kane is he always kind of disappears in big games a little bit too much. You know, finals, semi-finals, and that's why, to me. They will always be a bigger legend.
1: Yeah, well, uh, we'll move on from England to to Brazil because uh, I'm the host and I'm in Brazil. We saw. <laughs> we Charleston did start did start for Brazil. I don't know if he, any of you watched any of the highlights. but did you did you watch it? Where he he had chances. Just there were just again similarly to the game. Where was it? The Bournemouth game. It just didn't fall for him, and he had that yeah. in just a couple of block shots. And he was he was subbed, and there was no boo- obviously there was no booing, but. He was crying on the bench again, and yeah, I'm I'm a bit worried for him, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, how are you with with Rishi?
2: He's not in a good place, is he? As a player, And I think he is. He's extremely emotional, and he lets that emotion sort of show, and I don't think that's that good as well. And I, but I mean, mate, I don't. I think he's done. He's done well for Brazil, scoring goals. I think he's a scorer of great goals. I don't think he's a great goal scorer. Mm -hmm. And I just think he's up against, you know, he's up against it at Spurs. I don't see him as a starter for Spurs. Some people will disagree with me, but I even look at it now and now Kane's gone. I didn't see him as being the main man for Spurs. So I think come January, if things don't change for him, I think I can see him sort of asking for a move and looking for an out. I think he, he, he needs to be playing all the time and he needs to be, like running around and feeling loved. And I just don't know. I, I know a lot of people, not, a lot of fans do rate him and aren't having a go at him. But I think he just needs to be like, when he was at Everton, he was playing all the time. He was more or less the main man, wasn't he, up front for them. So, yeah, I think he's just having a rough time. I just don't think it's going to work for him at Spurs. Personally, I just can't see it. I'm not saying he's, he's rubbish, but I just
3: can't see it happening for him at Spurs. thing for Richarlison to me that gets to me a little bit and I know it's Twitter; it's not real life. But Richardson has a bad game for Spurs, and there are a lot of Spurs fans dogpiling him. He has a bad game for Brazil, and all I see is Brazilian fans, um, you know, being positive for him, you know, and saying he's having a bad game, he's struggling. It's fine; he's fine. Whereas, you know, certain Spurs fans (I'm not naming any specific names) are not offering that same kind of feel. I, you know, he's obviously struggling mentally with something you know and i think ultimately i'm pretty sure every premier league club has a sports psychologist like he needs that psychological help but equally he needs a bit of love from the fans in the same way he's getting it from his fans back home in brazil you know no no football player has ever been improved by people on the internet saying they're terrible right like hmm. let's let's be positive if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but he's obviously a better player than we're seeing right now and you know if a little bit more support from the fans is just a little nudge in that help mentally. Then I, you know, it absolutely has to happen.
1: Well, he seems like an incredibly nice guy. Like he does do a lot of charity and foundation work out here in Brazil, in the sort of the favela poorer areas uh, where he grew up. And as we've seen last season, when he when he kept scoring and ripping off his shirt and then getting flagged for offside, still got the booking. Like he, he um he does, as you said, as we said, play with his heart on his sleeve, and hopefully Ange. Is the sort of manager that will nurture that, that will sort of keep him in check, keep him pressing, and keep his chin up. So it was uh, Brazil still won. They beat Bolivia five-one. It was at home. Thing with Bolivia, I don't know if you guys know that, that La Paz is one of the highest cities in the world in terms of altitude. It's it's horrible uh, to go. I was there in in June, and so Bolivia always win at home because the, the opposing players just can't adapt to the to the to the altitude and the thin air. Uh, but this was in Brazil and they won 5-1. Stick me South America, Argentina 1-0 win. There was a scare... Uh, there's, well, there's compliments from Messi about Romero saying he's the best defender in the world, and the stats back it up. He's, he's number one defender on the FPL, and uh, he um, hasn't cleared a foul yet this season. Seb, did you have you been keeping up to, to date with, with the injury? It doesn't look that serious, because I think he's still staying with Argentina.
4: Yeah, I think it's... Um, overhype. it's the problem with social media it, take, it only takes one person to uh to say something and uh, and it can spread like wildfire. I think we all expect it with Romero that um, we've had history of him going away on international duty, not coming back, going away on international duty when he wasn't even selected, going away on international duty and games being cancelled, so he didn't even need to be there, Uh, going away on international duty and and not coming back when he should. So I think we're all kind of expecting something. um, And then it appears that he's got um, I think it was like it's the phrasing used was something like constricture or something like that. It means he's got a tight calf muscle. Um, he'll be fine. A bit of massage. And um, I, I would expect him to play against Sheffield United. But yeah, I, get, I think the, the worry with him is obviously, you know, talking Spurs is we're not quite sure who the backup is now. Uh, now Sanchez has gone. We're assuming it's Phillips. Um, do we want to just chuck him in at the start? But Ange has got a reputation for playing young players and calling young players up. So it might, might well be we see Phillips sooner rather than later. Um, but in terms of Messi's comments on Romero, he's obviously very impressive. thing is with Romero, and we, we've talked about this before, when we, when we first signed him, um, particularly at the back end of that season that we got into the top four, is there's not a lot of defenders like him. He's old school, He uh, takes everything um, that's in front of him. What he's needed... Um hopefully what he's got now is a consistent partner. And uh, he's got that for Argentina. And I think he's uh, with Tottenham. Um, and with the added responsibility that has given him, we, we should see the best of him. So it's good to see someone like Messi commenting on that as well.
1: You mentioned his uh, defensive partner at Spurs, van der Ven, who had his first call-up uh, for, is it the like Well, Netherlands, let's call it Netherlands. James, he, um, he didn't make the squad <laughs> for the first game. Uh, but he did in the Republic of Ireland games. They, they um, won the first game 3-0 against Greece and they beat Republic of Ireland, my sort of second national team, uh, 2-1, where he did make the bench but didn't appear. Do you think, like, long term, because Van Dijk is obviously the captain, he's their leader, but we've seen he's, he's sort of creaking a little bit, sort of ages catching up with him. Do you think that, come the Euros, that Van Der Ven will be, uh, will be starting for the Netherlands? Yeah, very possibly.
3: I mean, you look at their defensive options and they're pretty good. You've got Van Dijk, you've got um, Matthijs De Ligt, who's probably never recovered since uh, Lucas Moura played against him for 90 minutes. And then you look at guys like Van de Ven, like, OK, cool, it's early days, but you truly have to stand up and take a look at what he's doing under Anjan our system and think, yeah, this is a guy that would work really well with De Ligt. De Ligt's a bit bigger maybe uh less mobile but you look at that you've got a right footer centre back and a left foot centre back that's a really good defensive partnership right then again their manager's terrible so who knows <laughs> <laughs> the Dutch used to have great managers now they're stuck with not very good ones so
1: is it Coleman uh, now who's the manager now sorry it is Kuhn isn't it? Yeah, yeah. is it Kuhn um,
3: again? Yeah who's yeah. not very good. So I I don't know. I wouldn't trust him to run a bar, let alone a national football team so Maybe. <laughs> if sanity is restored, then yes, it would be Delict and Van der Ven. You are
4: forgetting you are forgetting Nathan Ake. Uh Nathan Ake is uh, Yeah, that's
1: another good shout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's starting for them on the on the left of the three. So yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah the left. So what about yeah, the guy he's... from
4: Arsenal? Timber. Is it Timber? Timber? Yeah. Is he yeah. He's out in isn't But the um but I think Ake, I know we're talking about um how good Romero's been these FPL defender. Um, so far, with a couple of goals, but I think defensively, Ake is probably the best defender in the league at the moment. So, yeah, understandable. Well, great to see Van der Ven get into the squad, and he's very young, plenty of time. But yeah, Ake is certainly ahead of him at the moment. But I don't, I don't really care. You know, I, don't, I certainly yeah. don't care about Holland. I don't care about Man City. Quite nice for Van der Ven. Also, great that he hasn't played because he's not injured and he can come back and, uh, and and shine for Spurs.
1: Well, one one player who has been shining uh, over the international break. Is Pierre Emil Højbjerg two goals? Uh, so his stats against Finland yesterday, for example, one goal, 113 passes complete out of 108, one key pass, six out of seven long balls completed, dribble passed zero times. That's decent stats for for Pierre. Like we were at the. Hold on. Two things. Firstly, you said 113
4: passes completed out of 108. That is unbelievable stats. The other way around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and also, also 112 of those were back passes. So you know, a few would have been sideways. Come on, Seth.
2: give him the benefit of <laughs> the doubt, mate.
1: <laughs> Come on, we're trying to be positive. <laughs> but, oh, look, oh, he? He? Um, we, we were a bit annoyed that we didn't swap him out for Conor Gallagher on deadline day, and and. I think he's still got a, a role to play at Spurs, doesn't he, Gibbo?
2: Yeah, I I think he has in that squad. Look, he's a good squad player for Tottenham. I I agree that I think Conor Gallagher would probably be more progressive than Huybier if we'd have if we'd have made that um change. But you know, by all accounts it, it was nowhere near in the end. Um Huy-Bier was never lead Huybier is a is a isn't a brilliant player. But he's better than people gave him credit for when we weren't playing very well. He's a, he's a perfectly decent squad player. He can come in. He can move the ball forwards more than he used to for Spurs. I mean, like, he was, he was desperate towards the end. But it's sort of like early and middle part of his career, when he wasn't played to death, he was half decent. And he has got a goal in him. He can pick a forward pass. We've seen it you just, I just think he's been part of that Spurs culture for the past so many years, which just sucked the life out of any, you know, sucked the creativity out of players. Is he a brilliant player? No. Will he always sort of like look for that easy sort of backward sideways pass most
4: of the time? Yeah, but he has got a little bit more in his locker. Sorry, yeah, just just to add, uh, I think one of the most important things that came out, obviously, we talk going back to the Ken comments that after he's left, that, that didn't sound good. And then we've seen comments from Eric Dyer as well about going in to see Levy. Um, what was nice to see was the Hoybier comments that came out over the international break about Tottenham, um, because obviously he's been linked with a move away. And he said, in the end, the most important thing, and I've made this very clear to the coach and the club, is that I have to show my best side and I deserve what I get for my playing time. Which is that's exactly the type of thing that you want to hear. So we've never, no one's ever knocked his desire. No one's ever knocked his professionalism, uh, and as Matt says, he's 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 victim, much like Sissoko was, I think, uh, at times victim to kind of the way that we we've played under Mourinho. Uh, is a Mourinho signing, and and then followed up with 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 Conte, um, and yeah, he's got he's got a, a role to play. I don't think he's going to get a lot of game time, mainly due to. Uh, the fact that we're not in Europe and obviously we're out of one cup already, but coming on at 60, 65 minutes uh, and the the control that he that he gives you from there, and the same scene it with Perisic as well. That's that's if he's happy to do that, then I think that's a big big bonus.
1: Well, James, the um you did watch the Wales career game, I assume Brennan Johnson was a nil nil, so not the most eventful of games. Did you get get highlights? What what did you make of of Johnson against Sun in the Spurs derby there? Brennan Johnson has been very unlucky today because Wales
3: have been trying to play. He's been playing up front, and usually Wales have Kiefer Moore, who if you don't remember from us playing Bournemouth last season, he's a very tall, lanky bloke. He's like the Welsh Peter Crouch. And then they're trying to play Brennan Johnson in the same role. So he's not really had many decent opportunities because Brennan Johnson's a good player, but he's not Peter Crouch. You know what I mean? I could go off and I could talk for another hour and a half about how much Rob Page is a dreadful manager. But yeah, you know, Davies, I think, has looked all right in both the career game and this game. I think Brennan Johnson's showing flashes of what he can do. He's just being... Badly utilised by an incompetent manager.
1: He plays five at the back, doesn't he, Paige? With, I think, it's, I see it five, four, one. So it does look quite quite defensive. Joe Roden, obviously, uh, the rock at the back. But, but next to, to Ben Davies, is it just lack of service into Johnson? What do you think the issue is? Well, I, I think the
3: issue is usually what will happen is you'll play more up front, you know, a big focal point and you'll have wingers like Johnson, maybe Dan James, maybe Harry Wilson who offer that little bit of pace in the front line. But recently, we've gone to playing a back three, which I think they're all decent centre-backs. Good wing-backs, Nico Williams and Connor Roberts. I think that system makes sense, right? But then you're playing Ethan Ampadu, who's basically... I'd say the Welsh Eric Dyer, but I think he's better than Dyer. And then either Morel or um, James. And then you've essentially got Ramsey, Wilson them more or Ramsey and uh, Brennan and more like it just feels too defensive if you're going to play a back three you've got to have at least one relatively progressive midfielder like I think even morell who I watch a lot because he plays for Portsmouth offers more in terms of progressing the ball than League um, you know, one. Is he is he
0: yeah. Is he tearing
3: yeah, it up he... in League One? Yeah. Oh, yeah. First first Pompey game I went to see, he scored a volley from outside the box. He's, he's a good player. He's like...
2: They need he's... some good players, mate. They're rubbish. No, That's just... why he's struggling.
3: They're rubbish. The issue is there are good players. I just think tactically we're completely incompetent. I mean, you look at guys like Brendan Johnson, David Brooks, Aaron Ramsey. might be in the twilight of his career, but he's still a fantastic creator. I don't think he's more all that terrible. Like, there, there are good players in his side. It's just being horrendously underutilised and I would hope like I think Johnson he's just been subbed off I think he's been very unlucky today because he hasn't had any clear-cut chances but he's looked to right and I just kind of hope that you know once he starts getting some game time under Ange that will only develop his game because there is such a fantastic player in there it's just in the Wales squad at the moment under Rob Page he's being utilised horrifically I mean
4: and I've kind of half-followed Rob Page, he used to be Port Vale manager. Uh, I can't say I've watched him as much as James, but I think the problem is, um, you've almost summed it up there, James, uh, unwillingly almost, is as soon as you start dipping down to Championship and League One, you're n- you've not got the quality in the squad or the team uh, that you need to compete at a decent international level. You're struggling to to overcome Latvia and uh, losing to the likes of, I don't know, Azerbaijan and the, the, the teams oh, that they've yeah. lost to recently. Yeah, well, there you go. It, you, you're not... You know, the thing with football now is the international game, we see it at World Cups and Euros and things like that now. There's not many players that we don't know about. When I was a kid in, you know, 1990 or 94, even when we saw it with the, like, Dumitrescu and players like that, I'd not heard of them until the World Cup, and that was a chance to kind of see these new players. Now with, like, Sky Sports and the fact that every bit of football is on everywhere all of the time and kind of always accessible, it's very rare that you go to uh, an international game and there's not some decent quality on the pitch. You know, there's not many countries now that don't have a few decent players. You look at even the likes, I think, I don't know how they're doing tonight, but Luxembourg, taking 10 points in the, the Euro qualifying group. Moldova might even qualify for the Euros. Albania are probably going to qualify for the Euros. So there's, there's decent spread about. But if you're dipping into Championship and, and League One, you've got a real problem. And the, the um, talent pool... That, that Wales are producing is just next to non-existent.
2: Mate, morale, morale was on loan at Cheltenham. Sorry, morale was on loan at Cheltenham town when they were shit. Well, they're shit now, but I mean, when they were even worse. <laughs> and he was on loan there. I, he's, he's like, like Seb said, I think that's a massive problem for him. You know, Whoa, and, I... and, and, and Brendan Johnson, really, didn't he play right side of a front two for Forrest when he played up front? So, yeah, I he heard that, that he played sort of right side of a front two, which that position, if you play in an and system, is a winger, basically. <laughs> you know, it's like playing Aaron Lennon up front, isn't it?
1: James, have you seen the, the Basuma clip? That assist was filthy, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I haven't. You haven't seen oh, it? No, oh, mate. Gibbo, you saw it, yeah?
2: Yeah, mate. I mean, brilliant feet. That area of the pitch. Just, mate, he's just... Oh, it's unbelievable. To think that he was deemed not good enough to play for us last season—it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, sorry, it's
4: ridiculous. Well, Gibbo, what's also ridiculous is that um, Marley apparently got three better midfielders than him because he came off the bench to do that. He didn't start, Did he? so I want. Oh, yeah, I want to know who those who those midfielders are that, that get in ahead of Evans Pasuma for Marley. Send the scouts out, but just just watching him, you know, this season is just
2: like you, you think about he looks like a £100 million player well he probably is at the minute you know the way money is now but just to do that in that area and like didn't even look like he broke a sweat doing it really did he, he just looked like he was taking the mick
1: just, just the, top top the way he, he kept it away from the keeper the keeper yeah. was there and he sort of just shimmied and the keeper was sold yeah. and he was like alright and just picked his pass it so, was control. excellent
2: he was in total control for all that. It was it wasn't just sort of like his head's going all over the place and his feet and he gets away with it. He's just in control of what he's doing. Brilliant. Yeah, you mm-hmm. should see have a look at that, James. That was a quality bit of play.
1: Um but but he's enjoying his football, James, isn't he? You can see him as well just in terms of the camaraderie after games, he's sort of leading the crowds when we're playing away, going up and, and getting the leading the chance from the crowds. He's he looks like such an important player. In the squad, both for his performances, but just also as as part of the, the team and the, the the spirit that we've built under Ange.
3: I mean, yeah, I think he is important and I think he's enjoying the pressure of the role he's in and the freedom to play the way he wants to play. I mean, you look at the last year at Spurs, he hardly got a game in under a manager who was very, very rigid and bipolar and probably shouted at his cat randomly, um, you know, to to come into a team where he's an important player and has a manager who's let him play a lot more freely. Yeah. I, I can completely see why he's enjoying that. He does look like he's genuinely just enjoying to play football and he's playing well. And just ultimately that taking up a responsibility, I think it's really, really positive because it suddenly looks like we've got a team of players who are willing to step up and be leaders. Whereas for the past, you know, three years we've all been sat here, or at least I have and going, where are the leaders in this team? It looks like, 11 headless chickens. I think
4: it proves when we debated on pods and on YouTube as well. And I'm not saying this is a criticism. I think footballers are quite simple, you know, quite simple, simple beings. You have to train them well, you have to train them differently, you know, you have to keep them occupied and keep them interested. Um, but it, but yeah, we've got a very young squad, but but what we're seeing is. If you give them the responsibility, if you make it their personal and the team's responsibility to go out and perform and play without a lot of pressure, because the manager will take the pressure off, then then good things will happen. you're playing, A, with pressure, and B, you're taking the responsibility away from them, because essentially what Conte and Mourinho have done is basically told them they're not really good enough to play any decent brand of football. In a way, it gives them an out, you know, it, it, it's like, well, we're not really good enough, are we? Manager mm-hmm. thinks it, fans are starting to think it. So we're, we're not really good enough. It's that, so, you know, can break it, be, break it down to be that simple. Um, when you've got a manager like Ange who, A, takes responsibility himself and two, puts the responsibility of performances on the players, you know, go out and enjoy yourselves. But if you perform, we'll play well. And I want you to perform. Everyone wants you to perform. There's no, you know, it's not, it's not a question mark um yeah we've seen we've seen the benefits of it and it you know our players look happy you know basuma doing that for i know it's for marley's against south Sudan or whatever that's a player who is enjoying his football
1: simple as that one also a player who has had a good international session is Ivan perisic two assists two assists in their five nil win over latvia he he, again is a player that that is is performing well under Ange. Bar that, that that we can forget. We can just forget about the Fulham game. But Gibbo, he is he's coming on and he's making a difference. His crossing ability, just the way he's able to to find players uh, from out wide, he's is uh, he's, is he's a very useful yeah. player to have in the squad, isn't
2: he? Yeah, he's got that down to a t, hasn't he? Even last year, you know, his his um his numbers were good. He can cross the ball. He knows where to put it. Very experienced, very fit for his age. I should imagine an extremely good professional, or else he wouldn't keep himself in the in the shape he's in. Probably at the age now where playing in the Premier League coming on when he does for Spurs. It is probably ideal for him. Ironically, when you put him on, you're probably better off having Richarlison up front with those crosses more than San. But yeah, I I just think I just think he's been a great professional, hasn't he, throughout his career. He's a really he's an excellent squad player, like I said about Hoybier. Decent squad player at his age, help the younger players. I don't think he's got much of a career left at Spurs. I think he'll probably move on sooner rather than later. But yeah, still mm. doing it for his country as well. So yeah, what a career.
1: It was a two year deal anyway. So I think this is his yeah. last season. He may go to, to Hadric Split in January yeah. and may get a bit of cash, which is good for everyone.
4: I doubt he'll go in January. He might probably go at the end of his contract, but I've got you know, it's up to we we, it, like you say, it, it would be for be for money. I doubt we'd accept a bid for him. I think he's, you know, he's still under contract for the for the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you go to hijack split any time.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't be able to match the wages that he's on at Spurs either. So I think he's on about 200, isn't he? Because we've got one of three from Inter. So, yeah, that that's probably, p- p- probably makes sense. Player, another One another player who's had a decent break is Kulusevski. Got man of the match in their 5-0 win. Got an assist and a goal. Anyone catch that game? I've actually seen the highlights very briefly, but not enough to talk about it. Um, I will say,
3: they have a tough group, Sweden. They're in a group of Austria and Belgium, so they might not qualify. Now, not to be evil, but if they don't play for England or Wales, I kind of want every Spurs player to not qualify, so they're nice and refreshed. I don't want them to go away at the Euros, play three games, go out in the groups and pick up an injury, and then they're out for Spurs for three months. Bit evil, I know, but...
1: No, so, I, say, I,
4: I
3: get that. It's so hard to not qualify for that
4: tournament. Even Sweden, if they finish third in their group, to somehow find a way to qualify through the Nations League. Um, there's normally one, maybe two bigger nations that don't qualify. Um, but it's so hard not to qualify for that. I'd expect most Spurs players who play for European countries to be at that tournament in the summer.
3: Very true. Then again, it looks like Italy could lose out, considering they lost to North Macedonia. And obviously oh, they no, missed
1: no. out at the World Cup. Oh, I'd love it if they lost. I'd love it. Just to round up the internationals, uh, Manolo Solomon did play for uh, Israel against Romania in a one-all draw, and that rounds up the international Spurs. And unless anyone else has anything else to add uh, regarding the internationals and Spurs players? Just ahead. some of the younger players. I think
4: Phillips Phillips played for the England. under 19s. England. It? Nineteens, and I think he scored. Scarlett got his first under twenty one cap tonight. Uh, I think Luca Gunter was on the bench. I Think Dorrington played. Oh, do that wrong. Dorrington played. I think for the under under twenties, maybe. So there's a, there's a few a few playing at uh, the, the younger age groups. There you go, Paul. Yeah, big thing with the under twenty ones. The under twenty ones have absolutely smashed it playing Ange ball. Um, lots of people raving about how it's uh, it's. It's working down, if you like, from, from Ange, all the way down to, to the youth teams playing in the same manner. Really, really encouraging to see. And obviously, not that no, we'll talk about this, but it looks like we are really pulling our youth system and the type of signings that we're going for together um, to all fit as kind of one cohesive unit in terms of a football club, a way of playing that, that goes from top to bottom. And signing players who who fit into that, no matter what their age, and obviously that's uh, highlighted with this 16-year-old from Croatia that we look like we're being uh, we're being linked with.
1: That's a very good segue. We are we, we it's got the here we go from Romano, so I'll take that as gospel. Yeah, Luca Viskovic uh, from Hajduk Split again. Hajduk Split coming up, so maybe that would be um, something with. Uh, Presence it's going the other way. We don't know. But um it's around £12 million the deal for a 16-year-old. Anyone seen his highlights reel on YouTube?
2: I've seen bits. Oh, I haven't watched all of them yet. Didn't he score from the halfway line or something like that? Yeah, he looks mustard. Six foot four at 16. I mean, you know, what were you doing at 16, Bryn? Seb, he's not played that much for Split, has he? He
4: only recently made his debut for them. Fe- February, I believe. Yeah. Started, started, playing, started playing in February. Um, and he was uh, 16 years and four days. I think I read something like that. But um, I think, I, I don't know this because there's not a lot of information that comes out of the club. And in a way, I quite like that because when, with the All or Nothing documentary and Steve Hitchin and the embarrassment that that was, I'd rather kind of, that we keep under wraps who it is going, looking at players yeah. and making those, those decisions. Um, I believe it's this uh, Gabonini, but like us, like, we we don't we don't really know, do we? And I, like I say, I'm I'm kind of fine with that. Our existing youth team is something special, you know. We're really really stuff to be excited about. I've said it for about a year now that I think Alfie Dorrington is, is is going to be a player. Um, when I've watched them, I, he's always stand out to me. Jamie Donnelly, um, it's always stand out. Dane Scarlett looks like he's uh, he's doing something, and I hope he really kind of finds his feet at Ipswich because I, I don't want him to turn into. Someone that maybe has a few loans, and then we sell for three, four million quid, and kind of yeah you know, ends up in the championship or, or, or League One. Obviously, we've got Alfie Devine out at, at Vale, so there there is a lot to be excited about in those youth ranks. And if we're topping it up with the best young players from around the globe, we obviously with Liz as well. We haven't even talk, talked about him. The main thing is when a youngster gets his gets his first game or, or something, whether he's Tottenham born and bred or whether he's come from Argentina or Croatia or wherever there's a big feel because these are the future of the club if they're good if we've seen it with dogie, he's only 20 we're already talking like he could be our left back for the next 10 years you know that's what we want we want those Harry Kane types if you like to come through love the club and be part of the fabric of the club for
1: 5-10 years okay, the one thing I've noticed as well with the, the defenders that we are getting they're, they're units Van der Ven is a tall quick unit as is Phillips as is vuskovic Um yeah so there, there there does seem to be some alignment. There does seem to be a type of player that we're going for. And so, and again, that, that would suggest that we are all in with Ange, that we're sort of allowing Ange to, uh, to dictate the type of player that we go for. Uh, and he seems quite happy with that.
2: Yeah, I, I think now, um, Bren, you look at it, when you look at Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp is the figurehead. and You bring players in and they play in his image. Same with Pep at Man City and I think that is what spurs I think Ange is the man now and it will be the top when you think of Tottenham he will be the figurehead of the club he's driving it all you know I'm not saying he'll have he'll be allowed to do whatever he wants and obviously you've got whatever you think of the board at spurs you've got that board there but I think that is what spurs will be about they will be big Ange's team and that, that is what I think. And I think the club are sort of with that. I think they're aligned with that. I think that's what they, sort of the direction they want to go in. Needs the figurehead now. Um, and so we are getting players in that will play the style of football that he wants to w- play. And when you listen to him talk about how he wants his teams to play, he obviously has a picture in his mind of what he wants. So it is no good. Like, for instance, um Jose wanting um, Scrinia and the club going out and getting rode on. I'd like to think that is not going to happen because Andrew say it's I, you know I, that's not the, he's not the type of player we want. I'd rather bring a youngster up who is playing that type of football. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that's where we're heading.
1: On, on the subject of the the structure uh, of the of the club, um, I think as the Gold has announced that, that Scott Money's finally due to start in his role this month, Gibbo. Um, again, and I think the first thing on his inbox, on his inbox tray, in tray, whatever it is, is yep. that director of football. Paratici ha- has, I think, gone, although it's weird, it's sort of the ghost of him is still lingering around, which is fine because he's yeah. delivering the goods with players. Yeah. Um, but we, we do need to have a proper director of football in place. Scott Mann is not, that. that's not what he's being brought in for, is it?
2: And it pretty much sounded, didn't it, like, um they from i think it was ali gold who sort of said Munn's going to be taking taking up his role on after the international um break and then they'll be appointing the uh director of football so I wouldn't be surprised if it's pretty much nailed on that they you know the bloke that they want the person they want it didn't sound like he'd come in and then they'd start that recruitment process there was talk a while ago about some guy from barcelona wasn't there whether it will be him or, um, or not. But, you know, that's it. Then everybody's in um, everybody's in position. And we should be ready to rock and roll and kick on because Munn, is he just sort of like the, the link between the football people and Levy? That is what I his think, role is, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think he's going to be the sort of person that Eric Dyer is going to go and moan to rather than go and moan yeah. to, to to Daniel Levy. Which, <laughs> yeah. and, and that was one of the stories from last week as well. Uh, it was echoes of... Danny rose again is is it looks like there was a sort of this culture of entitlement i think from some players and i think that the Ange isn't taking that and i think we've seen that with um with with dar not making the squad
2: i just feel that some of those players the, the environment has been too comfortable for them for too long they probably did have dire and say look we've had an offer for you do you you know do you want to we'd like you to go and he doesn't want to go, oh, whatever, look, you've got a year left, this is what we're trying to do. But, uh, you know, Hugo staying around, Dyer. If, if you really wanted to play, surely they'd go out and, and their agents, if they if they want a big move, their agents are out there actively looking to get them out there's, of the
4: club. There's too, there's, there's too much money. You know, Hugo apparently is on 150 grand a week. You know, uh, his boyhood club came in for him, All right, just before deadline day. Um, sorry, just before the, the like the, the actual deadline, about an hour before, once they got rid of Schmeichel, um, and it was a flat no. It when it kind of dressed it up with some kind of um, yeah. Uh, I need to know the project and all this type of stuff. Hold on, mate. You've moaned about being number one. You want to go somewhere where you're number one. You were going to be number one. You're going to move back to France. You have no international duty now because you you've retired. I understand you've got a young family in London, but you were surely look not expecting to be number one for a club. In and around London. I don't think that was ever uh, ever on the card. So a move back to Nice. The reason, probably because they were going to offer him 40 grand a week. It's mm. you know, it's, it's a lot of money to, to give up. And we can sit here and go, why does he not want yeah. to do that? Why does he not why does he not want to play? Well, he's 36, you know, in, in Larisse's case, he, he might have another small contract left in him, but actually you're gonna turn down 70, 80 grand a week difference for the next year. I know I wouldn't. Yeah, mm. and certainly not now. <laughs> so, didn't he turn down Saudi? Well, no, I don't think there was ever a no. strong link,
1: was there? No, oh, just, sure. just the niece one because it looked weird. The niece one, because like you saw, saw it come up oh, niece and Schmeichel have, have parted ways mutually. So, oh, that's clearly for Hugo to go back. But then, like you said, Hugo, the sport, so it must have been money, or as you said, having his family settled in London. And look, it's he is. He was a servant for eleven years. He was captain for what eight years. So look, I think him sticking around, it's not the end of the world. I think he sort of gets the message now. Come January, he probably will find somewhere else. But um, we're moving on, and and we're seeing from the the match day squads, he's not making them. So it's it's, it's very clear to him where that his future doesn't lie at the club. So it will be resolved, I'm sure, when when Scott Munn comes in. That's one of, that's one of the for the in-tray. Cheers for joining, Gibbo.
2: No problem, mate. Enjoyed it. Good. To, I mean. International break for me is just rubbish. Boring. Yeah. Can't wait for Spurs to start again. But it's been quite good to chat about the Spurs players that have been on international duty. And it's flown by, mate. So thanks for having me on.
1: My kids. Always, man. James, thanks for joining. Cheers for having me as ever. Appreciate your hosting.
3: Excellent job. Um, looks like I'm being dragged out clubbing with the boys. So that'll be fun. <laughs> I I wasn't planning to, but everyone's begging me to go out. So it looks like I'm out Oh, you're so
1: So. popular. I am. am. (laughs) Same. thanks for joining, man. No
4: worries. I'll go and put another pound in the internet meter and uh, hopefully get it right. I do apologize. I don't know what's gone on the last couple of weeks, but I think think it was a bit better than last week at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're now.
2: Now we're knocking it on the head, mate. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> do look out for the Wednesday show uh, Gibbo is that you and Craig the, on the Wednesday show
2: so yeah Wednesday's going to be a prediction for the season show that's me Craig and HG so if you're about come and watch us 9 o'clock over on YouTube check it out on the socials we'll uh, put it on there to remind you so yeah should be a good show HG's done a lovely PowerPoint for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds amazing.
1: PowerPoints are always yeah. the best. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, there's the, the Friday show, uh, which Caller is hosting. So do look out for that. And there will be a pod of the review of the Sheffield United game coming out on the weekend as well, when we finally get Ansible back. So thank you for listening. And as ever, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on you Spurs.
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.